0: I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. Did you know that God can use depression, anxiety, and PTSD to help build a beautiful new legacy for a family? Well, He can. Guest Bonnie Gray is here to tell us all about it. She recently released her memoir, Sweet Like Jasmine, which recounts her journey with making peace with a past she wanted to desperately erase. Bonnie is an author, speaker, and podcaster. She touches thousands of lives using storytelling, soul care, and prayer. I am in the middle of Bonnie's book, and I am finding it very hard to put down. It's a story of cultural differences, mental health, as well as grace and redemption. I've been reading a chapter each evening before I go to bed, and I find myself falling asleep reflecting on God's goodness in my own life. Welcome, Bonnie. It is incredible to have you on the podcast today. I am so happy to have this virtual cup of coffee
1: Or if you like tea, virtual cup of tea, I have some jasmine tea I'm pouring for you virtually as we just gather together and take a pause and just share our stories. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly.
0: Yes, I will definitely have a cup of tea with you. I do love tea. So a question that we ask all of our guests, and I'm going to ask you, is what is your family known for?
1: I love this question because I felt like there were three different answers. (laughs) One is what other people see us for. And I only say this kind of humbly um, by parents that have come up to me at my kid's school. I have a 13-year-old son, Caleb, and an older brother, Josh. Josh and Caleb. I named them after the two spies that entered into the promised Mm -hmm. land to remind myself that I'm building a new legacy of faith. As much as my past has been broken, God... Is the God that rebuilds and renews. So they remind me. And so parents would come up to me and say, Your son is so kind. He's so sweet. Or, you know, with Caleb, parents will come and tell me that. And, you know, I think that that is just beautiful that they go to public school and I'm happy that they can be a light. Mm -hmm. Of boys that are kind and sweet and gentle. The other thing my family's known for is when I talk to my friends, they'll say, Hey, what are you going to do on the weekend? And we always love to go on hikes. I live here in California. We have mild weather, even in the winter. So we're able to do that. We're able to go out for hikes and do a trail just 20 minutes. I live Mm -hmm. along just 20 minutes from hiking trails. So we're known for that. And then among our couple friends, we're known for making pancakes and waffles. So it's our waffle ministry. After church, we say, hey, come on over, have pancakes and waffles. So I love breakfast.
0: Do you love breakfast food? Kimberly? I do. It's my favorite meal. But I also love waffles as dinner. I love chicken and waffles. And I also love ice cream, chocolate ice cream and waffles. So, like I can do waffles any meal of the day. <laughs> oh,
1: we are definitely fast friends. We would be if we and each other because I feel the same way. Like breakfast food just makes me happy. Just talking about it makes me happy right now.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. All right. So, oh my goodness. I can't wait for you to talk about your new book before we got on. You were just so excited to share some things with me and it got me excited to share with our listeners. So in this new book, sweet, like Jasmine, it's a memoir and it recounts your journey to make peace with your past. And like you mentioned, creating this new legacy, right? Which I get excited when we talk about legacy. So tell us a bit about your upbringing and what brought you to a place of depression, anxiety, PTSD, panic attacks, the things that you struggled with.
1: Well, it's so interesting because, you know, I grew up as a very cheerful, optimistic little girl. My mother is a mail-order bride from Hong Kong. And my father was a busboy in a noodle shop I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. And right now as an older woman, you know, that's a mom. I mean, it sounds fascinating. Like, Hey, I want to read that story. But when I was growing up, that's something that I hid about myself. Like, Mm -hmm. why would I want other people to know this weird family situation that I'm in? And then when my father left, when I was seven, like another part of my story became broken because Mm -hmm. when I went to church, and I didn't know Jesus at a young age, you know, everybody's family was just so beautiful and happy. And they talk about what they did at Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I had none of those nice, beautiful stories to share, Kimberly. So I kind of gripped just hiding that part of myself, not mm-hmm. because I was fake, but like, I wouldn't want people to not be around me. Right. Like, how, how do you just like share like, oh no, you know, I have no dad. Uh, we And I grew up below the poverty line. No, we didn't really have any gifts. Like you, you don't talk about those things. So right. it seemed like every, as I grew older, then I became a college student, then I became a working woman here in Silicon Valley. It's like more and more of that part of my identity seemed unnecessary. Hmm the broken part of my past was unnecessary. It didn't seem to fit into like the P31 Christian mom woman. And once I became a mother, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I survived my childhood and I wanted to just leave the past in the past. Mm -hmm. And I thought now's my chance to build a new legacy of faith. But what I didn't know, Kimberly, is that I thought it meant erasing my past. Mm -hmm. I thought to build a new family of faith and love and goodness and beauty, it meant that old Bonnie, that girl that went through all these hard times. Oh, thank goodness. She's, she's done and done with, you know, but that's when I started having panic attacks. Kimberly, it was so odd because I was finally married to a wonderful, loving husband. And I had just had my second baby boy. This was 10 years ago. I've been wanting to write this book for 10 years, Kimberly, and at that time, I didn't know why I just started having anxiety and panic attacks. It was so bad, so severe that I'd be sleeping and I would be waking woken up choking from mm. my panic attacks. And I already actually, I got married later in life, Kimberly. So I had my babies when I was 35 and 39. So I had the Opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom. I wasn't worried about anything financially at that time. I was like, "Why?" Yeah, and I was the one that always grew up taking care of others, and I think that's true for a lot of us women. You know, we want to be positive, we want to be a blessing to others, and those are good things. But that part of us that we hide—all those strong parts—we kind of survive. Apparently, our body remembers. So what happened was I I went to see a therapist and I didn't tell anybody because it felt so shameful. I was actually a Bible study teacher. I actually was teaching and training other women to study the scriptures. I was a missionary and I found myself just kind of feeling alone with no one to talk to. Like, how do you tell somebody when you're the one people come to? oh, I don't know why I'm having panic attacks. You know, I just felt really ashamed of that. Mm. I asked this therapist, like, I have no idea why I'm having these anxiety. And he said, well, within one minute, Kimberly, he said, did you know that a soldier doesn't experience panic attacks on the battlefield when he's being strong, when he's taking care of other people and overcoming, when does he have panic attacks? And I'll just ask you that as yeah. a rhetorical I mean, question.
0: Late years later, after he comes home.
1: When he comes home, when he's yeah. safe. And you said, Bonnie, it's not because you're failing. It's because you've been strong. It's because you've done good. And he's a Christian counselor. So he said, it's because your faith has helped you overcome hard things, but now yeah. it's time for you to heal. And yeah. suddenly... I said, well, but I've never been physically abused. I've not ever seen violence. And he said, well, did you know? And this changed my life and it changed my parenting, changed how I started building a new legacy of faith. He said, did you know that verbal abuse and emotional abuse has the same impact as physical abuse?
0: Mm.
1: And they didn't know that. Yeah. I, I was like, okay. I'm in shock now. Okay. So that's when I realized he told me you have PTSD. You have the same symptoms as somebody that's fought in the battlefield and like fought in Afghanistan. I was like, wow, that blew my mind. Mm. It completely changed how I saw the importance of emotional wellness, the importance of raising children where they feel free to be who they are and express themselves. But it also prioritized myself as a mom, like I need to do some work in healing and mm-hmm. learning. What would it mean to take better care of myself? Yeah, that's like a foreign language to me, Kimberly. Like, I don't think I—I I don't think. Oh, what can I do to take better care of myself? No, it's the opposite. It's like, okay, what can I do to take care of my husband? Yeah, what can I do to take better care of my kids? What can I do to take care of my friends? Yes. You know, it's yeah. like. So that started a whole new journey for me as a mom, and I never knew that. Having something, quote unquote, break in my life, which was like my strength, would actually be a blessing to my family. So when you ask me, "Oh, what is your family known for?" Okay, we we we're a kind and gentle family. We like to go hiking. Well, guess what? That's because when I was having panic attacks, I really couldn't do much. I had to stop serving in church. Mm -hmm. And well, what do I do with my time? (laughs) If I can hardly breathe and I'm like depressed and can't even hardly get out of bed, I too little kids, a three-year-old and a baby. And so I guess what I did, I just took them to the park. I'm on the weekends, you know, I, I couldn't serve anymore, quote unquote. So then mm-hmm. I, we went to find explore trails because, you know, that's where I felt like better. And it became this new family culture and then, okay, I couldn't serve, but what could I do? I love waffles. I love pancakes. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's invite some friends over. Let's just have a pancake. And I knew it would be just like an hour nothing too long. And out of that, we created a new family culture. And it's so odd because I think that if I didn't have these anxieties and depression, I would have never went on a journey to learn how can I take better care of myself? And as I learned that I pass it on to my children.
0: hmm you know, I once heard my um, friend explained it to me this way: PTSD, because she had gone through a season where her daughter was having issues with an eating disorder, and so for years she was taking care of her her family and holding everybody together. And it wasn't until after that she started to have health issues herself. And so she was explaining to me, and I'm just explaining this for listeners who may not know, who may think, "Oh, do I have to serve in the military to have PS- PTSD?" Well, no, you don't. She described it to me as like you, you know, she had spent the last couple of years like holding her fists together and gripping really, really hard. And then when it came time and the crisis was over to let go, like her body literally didn't know how to function. She didn't know how to respond, like whether it was physically or emotionally to things. And I can totally relate for being in seasons where I'm on guard all the time. And then when it's time to just let go, that's when the emotion floods in. That's when things come to the surface. And I think it's so important to be aware of that. And I'm so grateful that you, you, sharing your story about how you identified what was going on and then was able to make a shift and change things.
1: Well, that's why this book, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness is so important. And it's my passion. It's my life message because I had to go back and look at those stories that Mm -hmm. really hurt me and wounded me. I didn't want to do it, Kimberly, because like, what's the point? You know, Mm -hmm. I was just always just by God's grace, God needed needed earlier in my life to give me that strength to not think about those hard things because I needed Mm -hmm. to go to school. I needed to succeed and overcome hard times and toxic family, dysfunctional family situations. I, I, you know, those times in our lives are beautiful and good, but we need to, I love how you said it, Kimberly, sharing about your friend, those times where we are experiencing anxiety, it's not a time for hiding and shame. In fact, it's to celebrate. Oh my gosh, you've done good sister. You've done good mom. And in fact, once I learned about PTSD, that we experience anxiety and panic attacks and depression when Mm -hmm. we feel safe. And so this is very, very powerful in our motherhood. Many of us just feel safe. We long for that beginning. The new beginning is just so beautiful. I have a new baby. We're doing a new story. We're rewriting new scripts. It's because we're safe that a lot of things that we survived early in our lives, whether it's a miscarriage, whether it's, you know, earlier in our lives as children, or like you said, your friend that had a daughter that had health issues, and we are just being strong. Those things are surfacing, not because our faith is flawed, not because we cannot overcome or we're not reading Bible scripture or praying hard enough. It's just part of the way God made us. Our nervous system is naturally built to help us be resilient, but it's not forever. It's not. We're not made to carry burdens indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So we need to share our stories. We need to make space first for our own selves to look back and see, okay, what are, what is God saying to me now? As I look back on those times of being in the Valley, Mm -hmm. being in the dark when we were alone. So I didn't know, but those times I was alone, Kimberly, and I was being strong. Actually, that part of me never left me. They're still a part of me. And so I had to go back. And so this book is taking um, all of us as women to go back. Let's look at our lives. Let's let's not just put it in the background because they're beautiful. It's Those experiences made us who we are. And they're going to be a part of helping us clarify what is important to us as a woman, as a person. And those are the parts we want to give to our children. Those yeah. are the parts of us, our stories. We want to let our children know. Kimberly, during the pre-order period for this book, my readers purchased the book earlier and we had a little small, little online book club. We it's ongoing. So listeners, you can join in anytime at sweetlightjasmine.com. But those of my readers that pre-ordered earlier, we uh, did some sample chapters reading. And I asked them if you could go back in your past as a little girl, what would be a question you would want to ask your mother or your father or your grandparents?
0: Wow, I thought you were going to say, Oh, what would you tell your younger self? And I know we do that and that's helpful, but this is a, this is really good. I haven't heard that one before.
1: Okay. I'm glad because like this, this book is full of all these different questions that I never asked myself and, you know, on my journey of healing. So the journal that I want to tell readers about later, it's called my stories of faith. I want every woman to get this. This is free gift Because I use these questions to ask myself. I'm a storyteller, so I love like good movies and compelling novels. So I started going back and asking myself these questions. And so getting back to the women, I asked them, what question would you ask? 99.99% of them asked, they want to know about who their mother was before she was married. They want to know what was she like as a little girl? Or how did grandma or grandpa treat you? what was your family like growing up? Every one of them. And there was sadness. There's grieving because some of, you know, some of the women, their parents aren't here any longer, but some of them, they, they, they suddenly realized maybe, maybe I should ask my mom these questions. And, but more than ever, I wanted to tell them, I want you to start thinking about capturing your stories as you read sweet like Jasmine, because your children want to hear these stories. Now I myself Kimberly did not share these stories in this book with my children until April of this year of 2021 when I finished the manuscript. It's very hard to like suddenly like when do you tell your story like, oh, yeah, you know, grandma, she once said that I looked uh, terrible in pink and she threw away the dress that I loved. And after my dad divorced and she cut up my pictures of my father, like, how do you talk about it? You can't. Right. But what happened was because as I was journaling them, I said to my sons, 13 and 15, I said, hey, son kids, I want to share some stories with you about myself as a person. You know me as mom, but I feel like Mm -hmm. I need you to know as you enter into teenage years and later when you become an adult, no matter what you go through in life, you know how I always I've told you God loves you. Well, I want to share with you how God loved me when I hit hard times. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read some stories for you. And And, you know, I didn't know how my sons were going to react. I said, okay, I'm going to read one for you. If you feel it's boring or you don't want to hear anymore, let me know. But I want to at least share one with you because I don't know, Kimberly. I mean, I didn't grow up with a family culture where, you know, my mom or my dad, I mean, I never saw my dad after he left when I was seven, but that's kind of the book. The book was, as I became a new mom, I decided I stumbled on my uh, own birth certificate, Kimberly. Once I had my second son, he was three and, you know, all moms that have had two children, or even one child. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, you realize when they hit three, you're like, I need a break. Even if it's for two hours and they're making popsicle stick art, I need them to be out of the house for that two hour breather. Well, as I was looking to sign him up and I found the birth certificate of, you know, Josh, I stumbled on my own. Now, when, would when do you ever look at your birth certificate, Kimberly, have you ever looked at it, really studied it?
0: I have. Yes on it, but I think it's been a while. And then, and then, you know, my, my father recently passed. So like, we're very much going through like documents recently and like trying to find like my mom's like, Oh, here's your birth certificate. And here's your brother's birth certificate. And she actually is big into genealogy. And so she writes off and gets people's birth certificates and she will even get their death certificates and then make sure they're amended. If there's missing information, because she feels as though those details matter.
1: Oh my gosh that's so beautiful. You see that's what happened when I looked at that birth certificate. You know how I was telling you like I wanted to be this great P31 mom and mm-hmm. I was kind of looking to other women that I felt had these great childhoods or building these great families. I was just kind of trying to like look at what they were doing and like mm-hmm. okay that okay what what can I do? You know I wasn't I didn't know that what God was going to show me is like you don't need to look to anybody else, Bonnie. Uh, and listeners, you don't have to look to anybody else. You are the mom that God has created to be the perfect mom for your children. You have everything you need in your story, the experience that shaped you to be the most wonderful, beautiful, godly mom to bring into your child's life. So as I was looking at this birth certificate, it dawned on me, Kimberly, one day, my children are going to ask me, where is grandpa? And when I tell him, Oh, I don't know. He left when I was seven. Oh, why did he leave? Where is he now? And my my, I'm Chinese American, but my husband is Caucasian. He grew up in a mill town in Washington state, but they're going to ask me, well, when did, uh, you know, the ancestors come here? And I had no idea. And it's funny because I realized I want to find out the answers. Maybe like your mom, how she was like putting the genealogy there. I said, Mm -hmm. I want my children to have their story. I don't want them to grow up like me. Like a blank, nothing page. Like it's, it it made me feel very lonely. I said, Mm -hmm. good, bad, or ugly. I want them to know the answer. So God used curiosity for me to go and try to find my father. I decided I want to find my father. I want to go back to that childhood home. And I want to look at it. I want to see where did my story begin? And because once I got married, I didn't want to be Chinese American. I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm raising, you know, you know, American kids, I'm American. It doesn't matter what my culture is in the past, my mom, my dad, you know, I just threw it all out. But I said, no, God's saying, go back, Bonnie, find that dad, find out why he left. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a mystery. I wrote this book, like a novel, because I love reading novels. It's like a mystery, like, okay, why did he leave? Where is he, you know? And so that that's, that's sweet, like Jasmine, what did I find? And on the way of this mystery hunting, truth finding journey as God would do it, as He does, right? Kimberly, God's like, there's something I want to point out about your true worth, how 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 the stories you shape, they're important for your children to know. So as I read the stories to them in April, I was thinking they're teenagers, right, Kimberly. So I thought they would say like, oh mom, T M I. Like I didn't know need to know that about you, mom. Or like why? Why did you have to tell me this? All those critical voices I found out were actually my own. My fear of how my children would think of me, my fear of how other Mm -hmm. people would think of me. I realized because their response was not what I thought. You know, their response was, wow, mom, I didn't know your mom was a mail-order bride. Oh, wow, mom, I didn't know your mom cut up all those photos. That's why you don't have any photos of yourself as a little kid. My son, Caleb, came over to me, wrapped his arms around me, and he said, Mom, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you had to go through that when your dad left, because I told him I didn't know why he left. I just woke up one morning. The suitcase is next to the door. Nobody would tell me why. When I asked my mom, why is he leaving? My mom said, why are you asking? Do you want to go live with him? And she dragged me. She dragged me over to the phone. You know, this is in the seventies. So it's like, had that old coil yellow phone. She dragged me over there. And all of a sudden I stopped crying. I said, no, I'm I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to know. It kind of like elucidates. All of us have a moment where somebody once said to us, I don't want to hear why you're upset. I don't want to hear why you're crying. Just be quiet and get things done. And, you know, only say things that are positive or only do things that are helpful. Other than that, Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about it. And so, you know, it's, I told my sons, I said, that's why if you're having a tough time, I said, you can talk to me, you know, we'll figure it out. And it's so interesting because of the stories I've shared with my sons. I have a closer, I feel like I have some cred. (laughs) It's almost like I have some street cred. They're like, okay, mom gets this. And there's other broken stories I shared with them because I said, well, do you want to hear more? They're like, yes. Oh, my gosh. Why did not you tell us this before? So I just want to encourage our listeners, your children want to hear your stories, especially in this world where everything is broken. Sometimes we're afraid. How, what will our children view us if they knew this thing we did when we were younger And in fact, I want to say it shows the power of God. It shows Mm -hmm. that God loves us in every situation and it gives children, our children, this this permission to be human and to be able to come to us. And I I think sometimes I have the fear like, oh boy, if they knew I did this when I was younger, maybe they'll do the same thing. Actually, it's the opposite. I think what my children were able to find is that I'm somebody they can confide in. Mm -hmm. So my son has both of my sons, it's like they're much more sensitive to me now. When I'm stressed about something, they'll understand. They're like, okay, mom, it's okay. It's okay, mom. You're in a safe place. <laughs> it's kind of like a funny joke now. Like, okay, mom, you're okay. We're in a safe place. Don't worry.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned not wanting, like wanting to put away that old life and start new. Um, but you also have been talking about sharing your story. So how did you go from the place of not wanting to share your story story, not wanting to open up, to becoming vulnerable and to finding belonging. How did you get there and, and how did you discover the importance of it?
1: I think the first thing was just um, because of my body had anxiety and I was getting up sometimes depressed. My body was telling me I needed to do something different. I couldn't be the mom that I wanted to be if I didn't go back and look at those stories and, and kind of talk with God, like, okay, God, why do you want me, what do you want to say to me as I look back on these stories? So when we live through it once, we only experience the pain. But if we go back now, because we're safe now, and we're building a new legacy of faith, we can ask God, God, what is it that I can see here that, you know, a lesson of faith that you have given me? What is something that now, as I look back, do you want to say to me? So that's kind of Kimberly, when you said, what would we tell our younger selves? So what I say is I kind of flip it a little bit. I say, God, what do you, what are you saying to me now about that time in my life? Mm-hmm. And that, that requires time, quiet time, reflection, introspection, and it's a, it's a form of meditation and being with God. So it's another way every chapter has a scripture. And I found that a certain scripture why we like certain scriptures, it connects us to maybe a time in our lives where we felt like, wow, I really need God's peace. I really need his joy. I really need his Mm -hmm. kindness, his gentleness. And so we just want to pause a little bit and not just stop at the Bible verse, but say, okay, what what memory, and it doesn't have to be in our past, could be this week, this month, like we're strong women, right? So we got to keep things running and going, but our soul needs care and stories is part of that care. When Jesus said, come to me, those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest for your soul, not rest for your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like we, that's important when Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind and soul, we focus on the mind a lot. So Bible study, telling yourselves the truth, those are important, but that isn't the only Part of nurturing who God created us to be. There's the soul. The heart in scripture is a seat of decision making. So that's when we take action and we have to make hard decisions. But our soul is where our stories are at, our soul is where our personality, our experiences. And so we're creating that space to journal. One is journaling. Mm -hmm. Studies show that just 10 minutes of journaling a particular experience relieves anxiety, brings serotonin, which is helping boost our uh, mood. And it only requires us to do 10 minutes every three months. So a lot of us, we have a lot of, you know, kind of orphaned journals and we think, oh, I can't do it every day. Why do it? No, just, especially coming from the pandemic, there's so many, the rate of change and uncertainty, just taking a moment. And so something like a book, (laughs) like sweet, like Jasmine gives you permission I'm going to read this book, this story, take 10 minutes, journal, a few of my thoughts. And if those of us who are not journalers, you know, we can go take a walk. You read a book, you take a walk. Research shows 10 minutes of walking will boost dopamine and serotonin. You don't have to feel in the mood. Every time I go for a walk in the morning, camberly, I never feel like it. There's a gazillion things I need to do you know, I, I feel like I can't even afford that 10 minutes, but I just put on my shoes because my body will feel better after 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's literally physiologically, biologically true that God's created our bodies that way. We're meant to be walking out in nature. And in fact, there's a study that shows 10 minutes of walking around trees or nature has a higher effective ability to release depression, anxiety than working out at the gym. Wow. Wow. Yes. So working to have gym obviously is good for heart health and cardiovascular health, but in terms of mental health wellness, taking a 10 minute walk outside is going to help you more than being on the gym running for an hour. Yeah. So, so you mentioned
0: journaling and your journal. So tell us how, how your journal was a part of that process for you.
1: Yeah. You know, my therapist, obviously I worked with a therapist and part of it is writing. And it's so funny that there's a part of our brain, how this therapy works is that the part of our brain that feels is called the amygdala. That's where our emotions are attached to our body's response. But when we write something out, it transfers to the part of our brain, which is the hippocampus, which is the analytical part of our brain. And so oh, wow. it releases, yeah. Disconnects the body. It That's what quote unquote process means. It releases the body's emotions response, and it becomes an archived memory, meaning you remember the incident, but you don't feel it. And so the third step, especially if something has been traumatic and remember emotional trauma is equal to physical. And I never knew that because I I always told myself, Kimberly, I have a roof over my head. No one's hurt me. I have all four limbs. You're fine, Bonnie. I never thought like, you know what? You're not okay. Okay, your friend just hung up on you on the phone and just hurt your feelings. Or, you know, this group of moms, you know, was very judgy towards you. <laughs> you know, like all these things, I'm like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Guess what? The way God made us, our soul, yeah. remember the soul, it matters. So the next level is that we have to tell our stories. This is not a touchy-feely thing, this is our nervous system. And I wanna talk about this, this is so powerful. There is a UCLA imaging study, brain imaging study that had participants look at neg- people in photos, have negative emotions, anger, sadness, fear. As they watched the video of these photos pass by them, their heart rate went up, their blood pressure went up, their pupils are dilated and their bodies are experiencing anxiety. Mm. They had them watched again, but this time the only difference is they wanted them to name the emotions they were seeing. Label the emotions you're seeing. And guess what? Their body relaxed. Their heart mm. rate went back to resting. Their blood pressure went back to normal. And yeah. their body went back to a place of rest. So when we share our stories by just the way God created us, when you share your stories, even your circumstances do not change, you will feel better, not just emotionally. Remember our emotions is tied to our body. So sometimes we beat ourselves up. What's wrong with me? Why am I in a fog? Get with it, snap out of it. These are very critical negative words. And yet Jesus says, come to me weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Notice it doesn't say come to me positive, come to me cheerful, come to me. Perfect. Perfect. No, it's the opposite. So we want to do that. And the New Testament says, we are each the living temple of the Holy Spirit. We do this ministry of lifting one another, bearing one another. We do the ministry of listening. And this is what we are needing during this pandemic. It's like, we haven't been able to talk about what we've been going through. Mm -hmm. So many of us actually are traumatized. I want to put it out there because we've been strong. We've helped our families get through these 18 months by the way, there's more along the way, right? More uncertainty. But when are we ever going to stop and say, Hey, I want to talk about what I've gone through. Okay. Because God is glorified, not just in the mountaintops, he's glorified in the valleys because the world doesn't work this way. The world only talks about their stories when it is like, pretty bow. You've had your mountaintop experience. And that is not the way for the people of faith. We are, we belong to Jesus, our loving shepherd. When we say to the world with each other, you know what? This is a hard thing I'm going through. I welcome you. I love you. I'm going to pour tea for you. I'm going to make waffles for you. You know, I'm going to listen to you. That is the power of the gospel. And let me tell you boldly, I have not shared my stories and found more connection with women since I've been sharing these stories throughout the years. I shared them before I wrote them down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I was telling my kids go to public school, like I'm a safe place now. How? Not by telling people, you know, simply God loves you. It's saying, hey, I'm sharing this. Why am I able to do it? Because I have God's love in my life so I can be open. And then women share their stories. So that's what Mm -hmm. we want to do with sweet like jasmine we want to create this space to say you know what we're going to be there for each other we're not alone and we we're going to help take care of each other and provide this emotional well-being and i know in previous cultures generations they had that women were mo- you know often together they those stories just start flowing right but we don't have that in our culture so we need to be intentional
0: yes yes I love that. I do have a group of friends of mine we're starting to get together and be more intentional. We definitely went through the last 2 years where it was kind of like we we got together and and zoomed or whatever we did when we could make it happen and now we're getting back to being intentional and actually can and actually create an intentional structure around how we share what we're going through with one another instead of just sort of this like If you feel up for it or if you get a chance to talk or if somebody else hasn't talked more, we've really set the intention of like, you know, we're going to go in, we're going to talk about our highs, we're going to talk about our lows, we're going to talk about where we're growing and we're going to talk about what we're grateful for and everyone's going to get a chance to speak. And I'm so grateful for that space because. We get busy and we don't have that outlet, you know, and if we're not, if we don't have a journal, a discipline of journaling, like what are we doing with all of those emotions? We're bottling them up and then we're creating future anxiety, future panic attacks, future issues.
1: I'm, I'm clapping. That's exactly what it is. So we can write a new, new legacy. The new legacy begins with us. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of times we focus on what we're going to do with our kids. what We're going to teach our kids, but you know what, as I look back on my memories and also hearing other women share their stories, it's the memories of being with their mother, being with their grandmother. Mm-hmm. It's the memory of presence. So in order for us to be present, to create those memories, we need to help each other as fellow moms to, yeah. like you said, process those, share those stories. So then yeah. you become refreshed. You hang up from that zoom and then you go back suddenly. Oh, you know, like you have that extra, you know, like extra oomph in your tank to like deal with that grumpy teenager and yeah. come go over there and maybe just put your arm around him and say like, Oh, you know, it's it's tough, isn't it? Oh gosh. You, you just got a load on you. This, you know, load of homework. This is tough, you know, rather yeah. than, you know, if I wasn't filled, I'd be like, okay, just finish it. Hurry up. I don't want you, you know, sleeping late. Okay. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's so different when our tank is filled Right, I'll go in his room and say like, Oh, how's it going? Oh man, this is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me get you some cranberry juice. You know, that, that, that sweetness is going to help. You know what I mean? It's just so different, you know? So it's about who we are. So I love that you have that space and it's intentional. And I already feel like women listening right now, they'd be like, can I be on that group, Kimberly?
0: (laughs) We (laughs) We just started it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Kimberly, of course, you know, I'm going to say read sweet, like jazz in your group. You will love it because a lot of women also say like, I will not journal. They're afraid of someone finding that journal. Mm. A lot of women say that as well. So I'm like, well, okay, get a group together, get a zoom, share your stories verbally. You're in a safe place. You can share those stories verbally. And, you know, it's interesting once you share that verbally and you get that kind of affirmation and realize, oh, wow, another woman has this story about her mom or her family or her, you know, whoever it is, you know what, it becomes a lot safer to take those maybe little notes later. So the Mm -hmm. first place may not be journaling for some women. It's really just for the first time being in a space where really I, I get to talk about myself. Like that's odd, you know, wow, that's weird. You know, as moms, like we never talk about ourselves and not because we've inserted
0: ourselves into a conversation, but because someone is intentionally saying it is now your turn. You have our undivided attention. And that in itself is such a gift.
1: Yes, it is. I mean, I, I I can't stress enough that that is the kingdom of heaven. And I tell my kids that too. Like, um, like I said, they go to public school. I said, you know what? The way you can share the gospel is if you listen. If somebody mm-hmm. says something, ask a question about them. I said, that's what Jesus does. He asks questions and he listens. And in time, they're going to be very interested in you. So, you know. This gets into friendship evangelism, but that's kind of the legacy I want to build with my children. And the only way they learn that is when I do it with them, I model that for them. So I listen, I ask questions and then, but I can't do that. I want to say Kimberly, because you know, now my story about anxiety and depression, if I don't have that coming in for myself, I won't be able Mm -hmm. to do that with my children. I I'm not a good listener when I don't have that space where I felt I feel listened to And somebody's asking me, hey, what's when, you know, how are you? Please share. And that's really hard because I was the oldest in my family. I'm used to growing up in a church environment where I was a leader. You know, it's hard. So, somebody like you, and I want every woman to be able to be that space when you offer that. Wow, that is freedom. That's a gift. That's the kingdom of heaven.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So, as we wrap up, I want you to tell us a little bit about that journal that's available when people order the book and I want to I want us to have a good sense of what it is because I'm excited about it you shared with me about it before we got on to this recording and so I want my listeners to get just as excited about that journal
1: yes i'm showing this for the listeners on the video on, that i'm sharing with kimberly it's called stories of faith a journal to renew and reveal God's love in your life. And every page—it's just uh, two pages. One, you know, one side of the page has a scripture to help focus and renew you. And then the second thing that's on this, this page is, has a question. For instance, what was your childhood home like? Or share with us what your younger self—what would you say? Tell your younger self about the importance of kindness. And then it has also a very inspiring quote because, you know, I'm a bookworm. I love books and quotes. So Frederick Buchner is a philosopher, theologian, for instance, on this page, it says, listen to your life, listen to what happens to you because it is through what happens to you that God mm-hmm. speaks. And so this is a 28 prompts and I use, these are the same prompts I used very creative prompts to kind of go into my story and think about what are those things that maybe as I look back now, God, what do you want me to say about these things? And these are the very stories from this journal that I read my stories to my children. And I would love for you to receive this as a free gift at sweetlikejasmine.com. Okay. And women that have been using it, like I said, if you're afraid that somebody can find your journal, this is really a good way to capture it. Cause you know, they're going to think this is just your Bible study book. They're not gonna <laughs> peek in there, okay? <laughs> so you know, it doesn't look like a journal. It's not a Bible. You know, it looks like a Bible study yeah. <laughs> workbook. So they won't look
0: in there. Yeah. So what are some last words of encouragement? Like as you're talking about that your journal and you're reading those prompts, I even find myself going, oh, "It's too personal. It's too personal for me to, to to confront and sit with." So what is your words of encouragement for those who might be hesitant to really make space to go where they haven't gone before?
1: Oh my gosh. You, you asked a tough question for you. Yeah. I've never gotten that one before. I'm going to read directly from my book as an excerpt to encourage okay. the listener because I understand you. That's me. I fought with all my might to never talk about the things that I felt would make mm-hmm. me different allow me to be open to be judged or criticized. I had enough of that in my unloving, dysfunctional home growing up. I wouldn't be able to take it if in the outside world, someone were to criticize or judge me. So I understand that, that fear and also that determination to protect yourself and no longer be open to harm or woundedness. Mm-hmm. But here I'm just going to share what God spoke to me. In First Samuel chapter 16:7, God said that the Lord does not look at the things that people look at. people look at the outward experience, but the Lord looks at your heart. God cares about your heart. He cares about how you feel and it breaks his heart to see you struggling because you feel you have to only show part of yourself in this world. So here's what I wrote that God said in response as I read that verse, "Beloved you." belong. You are worthy of being seen and heard. Your flaws don't disqualify you from being loved. So don't edit yourself because when you try to please everyone, you end up losing yourself. How can others let, how can you let others get to know you if you can't be honest about who you are and who you aren't? How can you experience intimacy and the friendship that you long for so much if you don't draw close enough to let someone in, first of all, yourself, you are your own kind of beautiful. When you step into your vulnerable places, you are worth seeing. You are worth loving and your story matters because God was there loving you as he walked through it, as you experienced it with him.
0: That's good. That's really good. Alrighty. Well, I am so grateful for you being on this podcast today. I have my copy of Sweet Lake Journal, Jasmine, because it's Sweet Lake Journal, (laughs) Sweet Lake Jasmine. And I'm looking forward to reading it and even sharing it with my little group of friends. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us more about this book. Thank you. I think that
1: it just gives us permission to just open our hearts. And these are things that we already all know. I'm not saying anything Mm -hmm. new, but it's more like affirmation and giving each of us permission because you can't embrace your belovedness. If we follow somebody else's path, your story is worth it. And um, every time somebody shares a story, it's just amazing. And it's affirming and it builds the family that we're trying to create in our legacy of faith. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for your gift of listening.
0: There was so much goodness in that conversation that I just may have to go back and listen to it again. I especially love hearing about how God created our nervous system and how sharing our stories allows the healing process to begin. You can find Bonnie at BonnieGray.com. She's on Instagram as the Bonnie Gray and on Facebook as the Bonnie Gray as well. I'll link to all of this plus her new book, Sweet Like Jasmine, in the show notes. If you'd like to connect beyond the podcast, you can find me over on Instagram. It's my favorite place to hang out and share the ups and downs of everyday life, what we get right and what we get wrong too. You can find me at, at Kimberly Michi, and you can find the podcast at, at Build Your Best Family. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose.